Good morning, everyone, whether that's here in person or online, and uh, good morning or afternoon, evening to anyone that might watch this later on. Um, but if you're here in person or you're watching online right now, um, as we start this service, we're going to go into just a time of worship. So if you're able, why don't you stand and, and join us in singing some songs this morning? Come, let us worship our King. Come, let us bow at His feet. He has done great things. And see what our Savior has done. See how His love overcomes. He has done great things. He has done great things. Oh, hero of heaven, you conquered the grave. You free every captive and break every chain. Oh, God, you have done great things. We dance in your freedom, awaken the life. Oh, Jesus, our Savior, your name lifted high, oh God, you have done great things. You've been faithful through every storm, you'll be faithful forevermore, you have done great things. And I know you will do it again For your promises, yes and amen You will do great things Oh God, you do great things Oh hero of heaven, you conquered the grave You freed every captive and break every chain Oh God you have done great things we dance in your freedom awaken the life oh jesus our savior your name lifted high oh god you have done great things in hallelujah god above it all hallelujah god unshakable hallelujah you have done great things and hallelujah god above it all hallelujah god unshakable hallelujah you have done great things you've done great things oh hero of heaven you conquered the grave you freed every captive and break every chain oh god you have done great things we dance in your freedom awaken the life 
Oh Jesus, our Savior, your name lifted high, oh God. You have done great things. Oh God, I've done great things. Oh God, you do great things. Great is your faithfulness, O God. You wrestle with the sinner's restless heart. You lead us by still waters into mercy. And nothing can keep us apart. So remember your people, remember your children, remember your promise, oh God. And your grace is enough, your grace is enough, your grace is enough for me. Great is your love and justice, God of Jacob. You use the weak to lead the strong. You lead us in the song of your salvation. And all your people sing along. So remember your people, remember your children, remember your promise, oh God. Your grace is enough, your grace is enough, your grace is enough for me. Your grace is enough, your grace is enough, your grace is enough for me. So remember your people, remember your children, remember your promise, oh God. We sing that again. And so remember your people, remember your children, remember your promise, oh God. And your grace is enough, your grace is enough, your grace is enough for me. Your grace is enough, your grace is enough, your grace is enough 
for me. Oh, your grace is enough. Heaven reaches out for us. Your grace is enough for me. For me. Good morning. How you doing? Are you sure? I've already had two coffees today. I know, I was up past 8 o'clock last night, and it's just trying to get going today after, you know, a late night like that, right? Say hi to one another, greet each other as you're seated this morning. Thank you. You may be seated. Well, good morning. It's great to have you here. It's great to see you. What a beautiful Sunday morning this is, and it's great to have you here with us and to, to sing and to worship and to just encourage one another and to hear from God and just for our hearts to be uh, strengthened and our faith to be strengthened today. We're just so glad that you are here with us. And so for those of you, if today happened to be the first happens to be the first time you've been here, we want to extend a warm welcome to you and tell you that we are uh, so happy that you're here. We want to be able to support you and encourage you and help you. And uh, if you would make that a little easier for us to know you're there by filling out the connection card in the pew seat in front of you, you can take it to the information desk in the foyer after the service and uh, someone will be there. There's a small gift there for you. And uh, we would just love knowing that you're here and finding out how we can help and encourage you along the way. I do have a few announcements today. And I uh, just want to remind you that today is the final day for nominations for administrative council members uh, for our annual business meeting that's coming up on the 26th of March. And so if you haven't nominated yet, I did send out an email reminder this week for those of you who want to do it online, and uh, I did notice a significant spike in participation from that, so thank you for that. But also, you can nominate here in the building. Uh, at the kiosk at the back, there, is, there are nomination forms. There's a box you can put your form in after. On the bulletin board, there's a list of members and a list of qualifications, but today is the final day, so please keep that in mind. Also today, following the service, we're excited that we're going to be spending some time together, and over the last few weeks, we've been encouraging you to sign up if you're interested in uh, being a part of our brunch that we're doing after the service today, and many of you have signed up for that, and uh, so we're excited to, to host you for that today and to give you an opportunity to spend some time together. And so as we've been saying all along, we haven't been collecting money for this and buying tickets, if you will, but what we're just asking is if you would, if you're able to, to make a $5 donation per person, kids 10 and under are free. Uh, and uh, when you get into the Stewart Hall upstairs, there will be uh, a very, um, there'll be a youth sitting at the table there with the cash box, and you can just drop it there and then head over and get your food. Uh, but if, you, if you're not able to pay that money, that's okay too. Uh, we're just happy that you were able to sign up and, and to be there. And uh, whatever money is brought in over and above the cost of the brunch will be going to our youth group to help them in an upcoming event that they're going to be attending. So uh, please keep that in mind. And so uh, just that's going to be exciting today. 
Tax receipts, income tax receipts for 2022 for your giving will be available again today in the foyer right after the service. And after today, whichever ones are not picked up, we will be burning them in the fire. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. That would be illegal. Uh, we'll be mailing them out tomorrow morning. So just so you know that. So, um, so just if you, if you want to pick yours up, and we encourage you to do that, uh, they, uh, they will be at the kiosk at the back after the service this morning, and you can, uh, you can pick that up on your way out or on your way up to the, uh, before you head up to the brunch. Just keep that in mind. Also, uh, for some time, we've been trying to schedule, coordinate schedules and schedule a night where we could come together as a congregation and celebrate a night of worship and prayer together. And we've been able to uh, solidify a date for that. So uh, March, Thursday, March the 9th at 7 p.m., we will be doing a worship and prayer gathering uh, here in the sanctuary. And so just uh, save the date, put that on your calendar, and we're looking forward to uh, being able to get together on that night and, and uh, worship and pray together. So that's Thursday, March the 9th at 7 p.m. Also want to let you know we've been praying for the Chan family, specifically for Ray Chan over the last number, number of weeks. And uh, so on Friday, Ray passed away. And uh, so we're continuing to pray for the Chan family. Uh, but we also want to, to know that the funeral service for Ray will be held here at Evangel on Thursday morning at 11 a.m. So Thursday morning of this week at 11 a.m. And visitation will be at Capriva Taylor from 6 till 9 on Wednesday evening. So 6 to 9 on Wednesday evening, there'll be visitation with the family at Capriva uh, Taylor Funeral Home. And then Thursday morning at 11 a.m., we will be hosting uh, Ray's funeral service here at Evangel. So please keep that in mind. We're going to prepare to receive our morning tithes and offerings. Our ushers will collect momentarily. If you'd like to give electronically, you can easily do that by sending your e-transfer to giving at epcoakville.com. And uh, that's a simple way that you can do it, or you can hand it in the offering this morning. If you have children, newborn up to age three, the nursery is open. And for those of you who have children, uh, JK up to grade five, you are free to your kids. You're free to come over here to the side, meet your volunteers, and head out this morning. God bless you. That's all the announcements. And I'll hand it back over to Andrew. Your mercy never fails me in all my days I've been held in your hand from the moment that I wake up until I lay my head I will sing of the goodness of God And all my life you have been faithful And all my life you have been so, so good With every breath that I am able Oh, I will sing 
of the goodness of God. I love your voice. You have led me through the fire in darkest night. You are close like no other. I've known you as a father. I've known you as a friend. And I have lived in the goodness of God. And all my life you have been faithful. And all my life you have been so so good with every breath that I am able oh I will sing of the goodness of God and your goodness is running after it's running after me your goodness is running after, it's running after me. With my life laid down, I'm surrendered now. I give you everything. Your goodness is running after, it's running after me. Your goodness is running after, it's running after me. Your goodness is running after, it's running after me. With my life laid down, I'm surrendered now. I give you everything. Your goodness is running after, it's running after me. In all my life, you have been faithful. In all my life, you have been so, so good. With every breath that I am able, oh, I will sing of the goodness of God. All my life you have been faithful And all my life you have been so, so good With every breath that I am able Oh, I will sing of the goodness of God Yes, I will sing of the goodness of God. Isn't he good? Isn't his goodness amazing? As we sing that, that your goodness is running after me, I'm always reminded of, of the story of the prodigal son. And how, how beautiful it is that the father didn't wait for the son to, to get to him, but he actually runs out to his son to greet him and to bring him back. And I think that's amazing that the God we serve 
is one who's there with us. Even when we've turned away, all we need to do is turn back to him and he's there chasing after us.
situation and thank you Lord for your sacrifice for the fact that Calvary covers all of our sin thank you for for making a way for us to be with you would we live in that freedom every single day would we take hold of that gift that you've given to us and live in that freedom God, as we continue this morning and in this service, would you just continue to move in this place? You're here amongst us, and so we just we just thank you for that. Yes, Lord. Would you be with Pastor Shannon as he as he brings the word this morning? God, would you speak through him? Would you speak through what he's prepared to each and every one of us that our hearts are open and ready to receive what you have for us today? Thank you again for all your promises. Thank you for, for the fact that we're able to, to meet and gather and hear from your word this morning. Yes, Lord. And just be with us uh, the rest of today and into this next week that as we, as we hear from your word, would we be encouraged? Would we take that and would we apply it this coming week, Lord? So thank you again for, for who you are and all that you do for this morning and for each and every person that's gathered here. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Our scripture reading this morning is found in Matthew chapter 7, and we're just going to read verses 7 and 8. Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, receives, the one who seeks, finds, and to the one who knocks, the door will be opened. Thank you. You may be seated. Thank you, Andrew and worship team, aka Phil, for leading us this morning. 
Mildred was the church gossip. Most churches have one. We, we, we don't. But Mildred was a church gossip and self-appointed judge of the church's morals. She was constantly sticking her nose in other people's business. Many members were afraid of her and wouldn't say anything when Mildred spoke out. Mildred accused Frank, who was a new member of the congregation, of being an alcoholic. And she went on to say that she saw his old pickup truck parked in front of the town's only bar one afternoon and emphatically told Frank, along with several others, that everyone knew what he was doing. Frank was a man of few words, stared at her for a moment and just turned and walked away. He didn't explain, he didn't defend, he didn't deny, he just said nothing. Later that evening, Frank quietly parked his pickup truck in front of Mildred's house, walked home, and left it there all night. Now, I'm sure that most of us have experienced moments where people have judged us. People have come to conclusions about us. We've had experience where people have questioned our motives or made accusations even about us. But all of these things have been misjudging us. You may believe that as a pastor, this has happened to me a couple of times, just a couple. And those who have experienced this sort of thing know the pain that it causes and also the potential damage that it can create. But if I were to be completely honest with you today, which I generally am, I've also been on the wrong side of it. I've been the one doing the judging. I've done that part too. According to Jesus, being a judgmental person comes with serious consequences, according to Jesus. And so today, we are continuing our winter sermon series entitled Promise Box Passages, where we're near the end, but we're not quite there yet, as we have been exploring some of the most common scriptures that are taken out of context, and we've been attempting to understand them within the context that they're intended to be understood. And so today, we're going to be focusing on Matthew 7, 7 to 8, which is the verses that I just read a few moments ago. And these verses are verses that followers of Jesus often interpret as a pattern or a formula, if you will, that one can follow in order to receive their desired answer to prayer. If they follow this pattern, if they follow this formula, it will lead to an answer to prayer. Because the words say, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. And so our goal today and every day is to understand the words of Jesus. And today, specifically, these words 
And we want to understand them in the context that He intended them to be understood so that we can discover what what it was that He was saying. And I believe as we do, we will discover that these verses do not provide a pattern or a formula that one can follow in order to receive the desired answer to prayer, but is instead, these verses are a call for our relationships with others to be rooted in generous grace instead of judgment. And so our scripture today is a part of what we often refer to as the Sermon on the Mount, teachings of Jesus that help us understand what it means to live as a disciple of Jesus in the kingdom of God. And so our scripture section today, and we've only read two verses, but the section that these two verses are found in are Matthew 7 verses 1 to 12. In these 12 verses, Jesus deals with how his followers, disciples of his, should treat others in terms of having a judgmental attitude. The religious leaders at this time, specifically the Pharisees, and Jesus pointed this out on many occasions, well, they were self-righteous. And they constantly judged others for their behavior. They literally set out to walk around to see what they could find so they could point it out. And what Jesus is teaching here in the Sermon on the Mount for those who want to be a part of living in the kingdom of God as his follower is something completely opposite. And so the 12 verses in this section of the Sermon on the Mount are equally divided into two sections, and they deal with being judgmental. All 12 verses deal with being judgmental, but there is a division after verse 6. The first half outlines what a disciple should not do, and the second half outlines what a disciple should do. And so that's the pattern that we're going to follow this morning. So we're going to start with do not, do not. The first two words of this section of the Sermon on the Mount are, do not, do not. And the subject of not doing is having a judgmental attitude. The Pharisees had a judgmental attitude. They made a habit of judging and criticizing others, but a disciple of Jesus was not to live that way. Well, why? Why should a disciple of Jesus live differently? Well, Jesus actually, in this section of the first six verses, shares three illustrations to outline the reason why a disciple of his in the kingdom of God shouldn't have a judgmental attitude. And so we're going to look at them. The first one is if you judge you will be judged. If you judge, you will be judged. Those who pass negative judgment like the Pharisees did would experience equally negative judgment from others and from God. And so the illustration that Jesus uses here to drive this point home is is the market measure, measurements in the market. 
There were standardized jars that were used in the market. There were containers. There were measurements that were used in the market to ensure that purchases were fair. And if someone was trading one jar of this for one jar of that, they were the same size jar. And so Jesus is drawing us on this idea when he says, the measure you give is the same measure you will get. Now, sometimes people use that in terms of tithes and offerings, but again, it has nothing to do with that either, but that's a whole different sermon, so let's not go down that rabbit hole. The measure you give, Jesus said, is the measure you will get. In the kingdom of God, there are no double standards. There are no double standards. There's just one standard. And in the kingdom of God, you reap what you sow. And so if you find fault in others, if you are critical of others, if you live with a judgmental attitude, it will come back negatively on you. Now, the rabbis at this time taught that, taught that God had two measures, mercy and justice, and that justice flowed from mercy. If there was mercy, there was justice. The two couldn't be separated. So even though they were two measures, they were really one because you couldn't have justice without mercy. The judging addressed here is, that's not what Jesus is talking about. The judging here is a self-righteous judging, not based on mercy, but based on accusation and negativity and does not reflect the behavior of a child of God. So the first thing is, if you judge, you will be judged. I'm really glad Jesus is the one saying all this. Secondly, if you judge, you are a hypocrite. Again, his words, not mine. If you judge, you are a hypocrite. The illustration that Jesus used here is from a carpenter shop. And as you can imagine, something he's very familiar with, dad was a carpenter, he was a carpenter, and so he says, you know, he's talking about in the carpenter's shop, and any of you who have worked with wood know that it's common to get a speck of something in your eye, mostly because you pretend to your wife that you're going to wear safety glasses, but then you just don't. But they probably didn't have safety glasses. But it was common in a carpenter's shop to get a speck of sawdust or debris in your eye. And you know when something little is in your eye, it's, it's problematic. It feels like it's huge, but it's this tiny little thing, and it's, it's really difficult to, to deal with. And, and then Jesus uses this whole idea in a very exaggerated illustration to get his point across. What a great storyteller Jesus was. And so he asks, he says, why do you look at that speck of dust in your brother's eye well, at the same time, you're not paying attention to this plank, this beam <laughs> that's sticking out of your own. Why are you so focused with the speck of taking that speck out of your brother's eye, eye and ignoring the plank in your own? You're taking his eye out with your plank as you're going in. Like he's saying, like, this doesn't make sense. There's this little speck and you're just so focused on it. And in the meantime, you're completely missing this. And so Jesus' point is this, a person who judges sees the faults in another person, but totally misses things that are often more significant and more serious in their own lives. A person who judges 
lacks self-awareness, which is often combined with arrogance. And so what the one who judges sees in another is a speck. But what God sees in the one who sees the speck, who is judging, is a plank, making them a hypocrite. Now, we throw that word around a lot, a hypocrite. And these are people who've lost sight of God's grace in their lives. The term hypocrite is a Greek term. It's it's like in our language, we call them actors. Actors. And most actors are not playing themselves on the screen or on the stage. They're playing a part. They have a character that they're playing that is completely different than who they are. And so that's where this idea of hypocrite comes from. A person who focuses on the faults of others and judges them is a hypocrite because they're failing to see the truth about themselves. They're acting a part that isn't true. They're pretending to be someone that they're not. A person who is unaware of their own failings is not in a position to judge someone else. And so Jesus is telling them to focus on the plank in their own eye first. Get that ridiculous huge plank out of your eye. Get your own priorities right. Get your own life together. Fix the things that need fixing in your own life. And once you're there, then you can start judging the speck in the life of somebody else. Thirdly, aren't you glad Jesus was so seeker-sensitive in his teaching, doing anything to attract and keep people to hang around? Hardly, right? Thirdly, if you judge, you will lose credibility. The third and final illustration that Jesus used in this section is in reference to pigs and dogs. Now, at first sight, you just think, you know what? Like, someone just kind of just stuck that there. Like, it has nothing to do with all these other verses. It's almost like someone said, oh, we got this little leftover puzzle piece. Let me just stick it in here. You know, you know, probably people will just grab that and quote it, and as we often do. I found myself quoting it after I did this sermon. I thought, I think I just quoted that out of context. That's what we do. But no, it, it, it does belong here. So it's a reference to pigs and dogs, and both pigs and dogs were despised in this culture. Pigs were considered unclean, as you know, in the Jewish faith, and therefore they were forbidden food. No bacon for you. Oh, thank God I wasn't born with a ban from bacon. You can take a lot of other things like salad and chickpeas, but don't take the bacon. Pigs were unclean, and contact even with a pig would make a person unclean, and they would have to go through extensive cleansing rituals just to kind of get back to where they were before the encounter. Dogs here are not house pets like we're familiar today. Maybe they're like some of our house pets. I think I've had house pets like this, actually. But they were wild and very dangerous, right? They were wild and dangerous. And when someone was referred to as a dog in Scripture, it's always a derogatory term. You know, like in today's, it's like dog, right? Like good for you. Oh, no, no. If you're a dog, that's a bad thing. Derogatory. Both pigs and dogs were to be avoided for obvious reasons. And so, Jesus stated an obvious observation. 
He said, if you were to take valuable pearls and you were to throw them in the pen with the pigs, well, the pigs would not go, oh, hey, cool. We're getting pearls today. That's awesome. I'm going to tuck those away in my jewelry box over here in the corner. No, it means nothing to a pig. They, they would have just trampled them into the ground. They wouldn't eat them. They would just trample them. They're just, they're of no value. Or he says, if you were to cast a ring. Now you say, well, my Bible doesn't say ring. It says what is holy. It does. It's true. Because here, here's how that kind of happens. This passage was actually first written in Aramaic, which is one of the three languages that Scripture was written in. And then someone translated it from Aramaic to Greek, and then we translate it from Greek into English, right? Okay, so in the Aramaic, the word here is ring. In the Greek, it's holy. And so going back to the original, and which kind of makes more sense, actually, if you don't throw pearls to pigs and you don't throw, you know, a ring to a dog... Because again, a, a ring would have no value to a hungry dog. And if you threw a ring to the dog, you know, here Fido, have a ring, and he's mean and dangerous, he would likely attack you because he wants food. If you don't give him food, then you are the food. And so Jesus is highlighting here that negatively pointing out the faults of others, when you have faults of your own that need attention, doesn't make any more sense than throwing valuable pearls and a valuable ring to pigs and dogs. Neither of those things has any value. It's, it's, it's a dumb thing to do. You just wouldn't do it. It doesn't make sense. People are not willing to receive instruction and feedback from those who have obvious flaws of their own. I mean, when someone comes to you to judge your life, and, you know, it's kind of like the expression we sometimes use that comes from the days when cooking was done over an open fire, right? When, and you've heard the expression, likely, it's the pot calling the kettle black, right? Because the black smoke and the charcoal gets on the bottom of the, of the uh, I'm not a scientist, I study theology, so whatever that is on the bottom of the pot, it's black. You know, they're equally black, and, and so... We're not really open to criticism from people that have obvious faults of their own because they lack accountability. Why would I take advice from you? I mean, if you just filed for bankruptcy, why are you coming over to my house to talk to me about investing? I don't want to hear that from you because you don't have the credibility, right? And so sometimes we think we have something valuable to contribute. We desire the other person to listen to us. But sometimes we overestimate the value of our opinion. And we underestimate how it might come back to hurt us because we have our own flaws that we should be focused on. And that kind of hurts when people go, well, why are you talking to me about that? Like, why don't you figure out your own stuff? Someone who has faults of their own but chooses to focus instead on the faults of others are not only doing the wrong thing, but they're opening the door to being judged themselves. And so the overall theme of these six verses is this. Do not participate in negatively judging others. Full stop. 
your focus should instead be on working on your own issues. Don't focus on the issues of others. Focus on your own. That's what Jesus is saying here. Don't be like the Pharisees who have so many things they need to focus on, but don't see it. Don't, Don't be like them. Do not. My second point, and I only have two. Some of you just smiled. Is do. Originally, when I was doing my outline, I was going to go, well, do not, and then do, do. But then I thought, that's not a very good outline. So I just stuck with do. So it's do. No do, do, just do. That was just to kind of lighten it up a little bit for those of you who are feeling judged for being judgmental. I was just trying to lighten it a little bit for you. The first six verses outline what a disciple shouldn't do, which we said is judge another person. And that our relationships with others should be rooted in generous grace, not judgment. The final six verses Jesus outlines what we should do. And to make his point, in this section, he uses two examples, and then in one verse summarizes everything that he's been talking about in the first 11. So let's take a look. Example number one. God's grace. People who come to Jesus, whether it's the early disciples or us today, are spiritually lacking. Spiritually in need of God's grace. I don't think any of us would argue with that. We just, we need God's grace. And as a follower of Jesus, to be a follower of Jesus means that we have responded to God and are now the recipients of His grace. So any of us here today who would say, you know, Jesus is the Lord and Savior of my life, that is only possible because you recognize you needed God in your life and the grace of God through Jesus just flowed into your life and changed you. We're recipients of generous grace. Every child of God is a recipient of generous grace. And relationship with God is established through asking, seeking, knocking. Jesus said when they were asking, when they were seeking, when they were knocking, God responded. God responds to asking, seeking, knocking. Everyone who asks for God's grace, because you need to understand these verses, Jesus is not talking about prayer here. It's not his subject. He does talk about prayer, but not here. And so for us to all of a sudden switch gears and make this about prayer is to completely leave the track that we've been on. This is not what he's talking about. He's talking about God's generous grace. Everyone who asks for God's grace receives it. Everyone who seeks God's grace finds it. Everyone who knocks on God's door of grace has the door open to them. And so the words ask and seek and knock in the original language are actually continuous words. They're not one-time words. They have an ongoing, uh, you know, uh, attachment to them. The improper interpretation would be this. Keep on asking. Keep on seeking. Keep on knocking. Why? Because God's grace in our lives and 
If you have had God, you know God's grace in your life, you know what I'm talking about here, that God's grace in our lives is not confined only to one moment. It is an ongoing occurrence in our lives. God's grace is needed every single moment of every single day. We don't look back to a moment in time and say, yeah, that's when I experienced God's grace. Back there, then. Period. That's it. And we're living off that. No. Every moment of every day, grace is needed in our lives. And God knows that even though we come to Him, we will need to keep coming to Him over and over and over for His grace every single day. Jesus' words here are within the context of generous grace being shown to others, not in a conversation about prayer. The subject of prayer does not exist here. God gives gifts of grace to those who continually ask and seek and knock. And so Jesus says, hey, before I tell you what to do, I want you to help you understand, let me give you an example. I'm going to start with how God's grace affects your life. And now he says, as an example, number two, I'm going to bring it home to your individual family life. And I'm going to give you an example of parental grace, parental grace. And Jesus says, if as example, your son comes to you or your daughter comes to you and he or she is hungry, and asks you for a loaf of bread, right? I mean, that's the thing when your kids move out, right? They keep showing up at your house and opening your fridge. I mean, let's not kid ourselves. We love it, right? Although groceries are getting expensive. Got to put that out there. And they know that, though. That's why they're at your fridge. But if your child comes to you and says, Mom, like, I'm hungry, can you give me a loaf of bread? Jesus says, you don't look at him and go, here's a stone. Like, why would you do that? A stone's no value to a hungry person unless they can turn stones to bread. And even Jesus refused to do that. You don't give them a stone. Stone is of no value. You give them what they need. Bread. Or the lettuce you have no intention of eating when you bought it. You, you give them something of value that, that they need. He said, if your son says to you, if your child comes to you and says, do you have any fish? It's funny, I grew up in a place where we ate fish every single day. It's unbelievable what fish costs. <laughs> Sorry, that's just for free. Can I have some fish? You don't give them a snake. You don't say, you know, well, you want a fish, but here's a snake. Here's something that could harm you instead of help you. Like, you don't do that. When your kid asks for something that is going to be helpful, you don't give them something that's going to harm them. And so Jesus is saying, like, you, would, you just would never do that. It doesn't make sense that you would ever do that. Because a parent's desire is to show generosity 
and generous grace to their children. And the same goes through all kinds of other things. I always find it really interesting when parents are going through a really hard time and their kids are gotten into all kinds of trouble and are making questionable decisions and how the holier-than-thou people, the Mildreds of the world, will tell them how they should be, you know, dealing with their kid and shutting them out and whatever. It's easy to not be generous when it's not your kid, Right? So just for free, maybe you just want to keep that to yourself. <laughs> if I'm sharing, I'm probably not looking for advice. I'm probably just looking for support. I learned that from being a husband. For 30 years, I thought Jen needed advice. Apparently, it was just support. Who knew? A parent's desire is to show generous grace to their children and help them in their time of need because they love them. They love them and they want to help them. A parent's love causes them to be generous towards their children, unless it's dysfunctional. And so then Jesus ties these two examples together, and he says, so, if you who are not God, right? I think it's great that he said that, because I don't know about you, but sometimes I confuse my role, right? Yeah, those of you who are not God but are sinful humans who are in constant need of God's grace. And you who are mere sinful human, not God, know how to show grace and give good gifts to your children when they need it. How much more will your Father in heaven give to those who ask? Who ask, who seek, who knock. How much more generous grace would God give? You understand what you would give as a parent? Now just magnify that beyond your understanding. Jesus is trying to get them to understand how the Father sees those who are in need of grace. The Pharisees saw them as Recipients to be judged, people to be treated harshly, marginalized, pushed away, uncared for. Here's a stone. Literally, we're going to stone you. And Jesus is trying to get them to understand something different about him and the kingdom of God. And to help them understand how God sees those in need of grace. If they need grace, Jesus said, don't give them judgment. They need grace. Don't give them judgment. That's like giving them a stone or a snake instead of what they really need. Why are you doing that? Don't do that. And so Jesus is calling for his followers to show people the grace that they need. Not the judgment that we think they need. And so Jesus starts the final verse of our section with these words. So then, so then, in light of everything I have said about what not to do and why not to do these things and what to do in light of God's grace, in light of all that, so then, he says what we call the golden rule. Do to others. Treat others 
love others. Forgive others. Serve others. Demonstrate grace time and time and time and time again to others just as you would like others to treat you, to love you, forgive you, serve you. Demonstrate grace time and time and time and time and time again to you. Do to them what you would like them to do to you and for you. For this, Jesus said, sums up the law and the prophets. The law outlines God's desire, God's expectation of his people. The prophets reminded the people when they, when they stepped out of line and reminded them by affirming God's law. They didn't create new ones. They, they brought them back to, and Jesus says, what I'm trying to tell you here sums it all up. It sums it all up. It's about being recipients of God's grace and being those who share God's grace. It sums it all up. That's the gospel right there. Love the Lord your God and your neighbor as yourself. Right there. Jesus says, sums it all up. Showing generous grace to others as you would want generous grace shown to you and have in fact experienced from God is central to understanding who God is, what God expects, and having a relationship with Him. So in conclusion... It's when we thought this was never going to end, right? Our scripture today does not provide a pattern or a formula that we can follow in order to receive a desired answer to prayer, but is instead a call for our relationships with others to be rooted in generous grace instead of judgment. In the kingdom of God, you reap what you sow. If you find faults in others, if you are critical of others, if you live with a judgmental attitude, it will come back negatively on you from others, but even God. A person who judges sees the fault in another person, but totally misses things that are even more significant in their own lives. People are not willing to receive instruction and feedback from those who have obvious flaws of their own. So do not participate in negatively judging others. Our focus instead should be working on our own issues. Give people the grace that they need, not the judgment that you want or what you think they need. Showing generous grace to others as you would want Generous grace shown to you and in fact has had, have had shown to you from God. This is central to understanding this passage, but our whole relationship with God in general. I'm going to invite our worship team back. Human nature is such that it's very difficult to not fall into the trap 
of becoming a judgmental person. We hold certain beliefs. And not everybody in this room holds the same beliefs. Some of us vary in what we believe in different regards. But what brings us together is that there are things that we consider to be the most important things to believe is what brings us together in this community. But different people believe different things about the Bible and how they read the Bible and about God and the relationship with God. All of us are a part of a community where, where, where we see things differently. And especially in the world and the culture that we're living in right now, there seems to be very little tolerance for any opinion other than the opinion that a certain person would hold or a certain group would hold. That there's this understanding that if you're going to be a part of anything, everybody in that group has to believe every single thing exactly the way you do. And you know that's never going to happen in this world. The beauty of relationship and the beauty of, of community as God creates it is that there's room within that for all of us not to be exactly the same. And in fact, learning how to live with other followers of Jesus who see some things different than you do, I would suggest is actually helpful, not harmful. So let's be careful of how we respond. Our world is filled with people who hold various views and live various lifestyles and argue for different things, but the thing that we all have in common is we just all need God's generous grace. Let's not miss that. Let's not miss that. And when the opportunity comes where the choice is we can be people of grace or judgmental people, well, let's choose what Jesus is asking us to choose. Generous grace. Would you stand this morning? Andrew's going to lead us as we conclude our service today. And as he leads us this morning, would you reflect on the grace of God in your life? We sang earlier today, he, he uses the weak to lead the strong. That's, that's the testimony of our lives. We are so weak, yet he makes us strong to accomplish his purposes. Would you reflect on God's grace in your life and allow the Holy Spirit to stir up in us a desire in a world where many who are followers of Jesus would default to judgment to instead say, help me be someone who gives generous grace even if I don't think they deserve it. Because that's where we all are this morning. Andrew, would you lead us?
Jesus this morning, we stand amazed because your grace is amazing grace. It's beyond our comprehension. It's beyond what we would ever deserve. It's beyond what we could ever understand. It's beyond what we could ever earn. And you have lavishly poured it out on us. And even though we experience that time and time again, we find ourselves in moments where we need your grace again and again and again. And there are times that we go through hardships and difficulties. And Lord, as the words of that original hymn, through many toils, many dangers, toils and snares, I've already come. I've been through so much. And it's grace that's brought me safe this far and it's your grace that will lead me home thank you for your grace Jesus and God I just pray that today we would learn to become more and more and more like you like you Lord Jesus and help us to hear your words and help us to model your actions and your life. And as we walk out into this world today and wherever we find ourselves this week, we, we won't have to go far before we find ourselves in places 
less in need of judgment and more in need of grace. Would you help us to be those people who bring the gospel, the good news to those who need to hear it? Lord, I thank you. In John, the writer says, God didn't send his son to condemn the world, but to save the world. You came to save by grace. And we're so glad you did. Would you lead us? Would you guide us? Would your Holy Spirit just work in us and help us to be the hands, feet, the face, the eyes, the ears of Jesus, the arms, embrace in a broken and hurting world. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. Thank you for being here. If you signed up for the brunch, you can make your way up through these doors, up the stairs and down the hall and follow the smell of pancakes and other stuff and you'll get yourself there. Have a great week and uh, if you're not staying, have a great week and we'll, God willing, see you next week. God bless you.